This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster. And this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today, we have a lot of strange new worlds talk for you. Tony did the junkets today and spoke to most of the cast. So we're going to play some of the audio from that. We're going to talk about all the news that we have on Strange New Worlds. But first, let's start with some other news. A very quick update on the Writers Guild strike, which continues with no sign of compromise or ending. Well, there's no actual negotiating. Right. Nothing is happening. From what I'm hearing, they just aren't paying attention to the writers. They're, both sides are really playing hardball. So this thing, as we said last week, it's just going to last months. Yeah, the, the picketing is shutting down productions. Things are being shut down because Teamsters won't cross picket lines. Some people won't cross. Sometimes it just makes it impossible for them to do it. So it's uh, it's quite the strike. Yeah, it's, it's much harder core than the last time. The writers and the showrunners and the people who are, you know, hyphenates, as they call them, are being more strict this time and saying, nope, we're not going to work. And they're getting a lot of support, too. Like, I know the whole Ted Lasso cast canceled an event that they were all supposed to do because the series is ending um, and instead showed up on the picket line. If you really want a deep dive in the show notes, there's going to be a link to an interview with David A. Goodman, Star Trek writing veteran who's on the um, WGA board. Um, and is a lead negotiator, and he has all sorts of stuff to say. So, you know, it still looks like Strange New Worlds, who knows if they'll even shoot it this year, you know, so. Yeah. Well, on a happier note, Emmy voting is starting soon, and so there's been a lot of pre-Emmy voting buzz going around, and uh, we're hearing some names being tossed around as people who might find themselves on the nominations list, just from, you know, industry publications, basically. No one's saying that... Picard is a front runner for anything, but it's being mentioned more than it was in the past. Uh, not only Patrick Stewart for acting, but Michelle Forbes and um, Amanda Plummer in some you know trades and industry watchers. You know, Paramount's doing a good for your consideration thing. They did this thing in Hollywood. They had a lot of the production people out there. They created a space. Um, in Hollywood for a lot of their shows, and it included the bar from Picard, which is pretty cool. They put out this cool video showing all the visual effects. I, I'm expecting a good round of Emmy nominations for Picard this year. I think they could break out of just the creative arts, and they're going to get something in the the big ones. I hope so. I mean, I think for sure they should get it for all the production work. But it would be great to see them finally recognized for some acting. Prodigy won a Telltale TV award for best animated show. You know, this is a popular website, thousands of votes, and shows that win these awards often go on to do well at the Emmys. Um, so later when the Children and Family Emmys are done later this year, indication that Prodigy could get some recognition for that. I may have voted a bunch of times for the Telltale TV awards. <laughs> Um, and some other good news, which is that all 10 original and next generation Star Trek movies are returning to Paramount Plus in June. So it was a big deal when last October they were all they left. <laughs> Goodbye. They were over at HBO Max, but they're all going to be back on, on Paramount Plus. We just don't know how permanent that's going to be. One could only hope that they stop moving around. Um <laughs> 
so all 13 movies will be there for the first time in like maybe over a year. Yeah. Uh, starting in June. Let's just start talking about Strange New Worlds, shall we? Well, first of all, if you've missed season one, which I don't know how you could have, but anyway, um, it is now all available for free on YouTube here in the United States. So it's just for a limited time. It's just for the entire month of June. But you can watch it all for free. It's pretty cool. Smart. Very smart. Yeah. Here's another crazy thought. If they start running out of programming eventually on CBS, maybe they should throw some Strange New Worlds up on there. Yeah, I could see them doing that for sure. They're going to have a lot of reality TV, you know, and other non-scripted stuff. But uh, they could do this and, you know, maybe some of the uh, Yellowstone spinoffs. I could easily see them. So in addition to the trailer that we've seen, which, by the way, we have a, a trailer analysis going up on the site this week. We also got a clip of number one's trial, which is fun because it's been a while since we had a nice courtroom episode. Yeah, it's clearly going to be a, you know, a major courtroom episode. It's it, it it looks a lot like court martial, a lot of this stuff, including they have, we haven't seen these uniforms before on this show, but they're very reminiscent of the dress uniforms from the original series for they sure. They look great. I love the way they look. I think they look terrific. And I like the whole set, like the little sort of tech throwbacks to original series. I liked those, whatever I saw in that short scene. Yeah, the the the, the little lie detector yep. thing you put your hand on and, you know, all that stuff is there. Um, so they're, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that stuff is fun. I complain about things from time to time, but that stuff, just pure delight. I'll say something about that courtroom scene, which is funny, which is once you've watched it, you know, they're asking, they ask Spock if um, if Una has kept any secrets. And he says, yes. Or is there something she was trying to hide? I think they say, right? Yeah. And I just assume it's going to be about the singing. It's got to be. It's. It I mean, it's, be, right? it's a perfect callback to the, the short tracks, right? Yeah, which I still remember watching that short tracks with open-mouthed astonishment. Right. He's not going to say something negative like she's terrible or a liar. He's going to say something positive. Yep, um, he's gonna, yep, he's going to have some fun with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. A courtroom ca- you know, episode can be a drag, you know, but there are ways to keep it exciting. And I hope they don't avoid that and, and, you know, really dig into it. I think Star Trek has always been very good at courtroom episodes. Is there a bad courtroom episode in Star Trek? No. I, I suspect they're going to go very drumhead on this one. Um, yeah. You know, she's being, <laughs> she's being persecuted for being who she is. It's a perfect analogy for all sorts of you know current events so yeah um, some some messaging some strong messaging will get through right which courtroom episodes are always good for yep we know based on interviews that this episode is going to be episode two so we aren't getting a trial in episode one there's images that they released as well and now some of them make some of the stuff from the trailers make more sense and you could start identifying what's in different things. Like there's those images of Spock in command of the ship. And that's in episode one, which kind of makes sense because number one isn't there. So he's essentially first officer. And the Rigel seven return is going to be episode four. And the lower decks episode is going to be episode seven. So 
I did this junket. It's all what they call round table. It was virtual. They paired off the actors into four pairs and me and a bunch of other journalists asked them questions. And what we've done is we've picked out a few highlights around certain themes that have come through that we'd like to play you some audio from those interviews. So first, um, everybody had a lot to say about all the different genres, which we've been hearing about that season two, well, like season one, will have comedy episode, horror episode, whatever, all these different things. And so they all had sort of a different take, I thought, on what to expect. We're going to play three clips. Uh, one is going to be Sully Rose Gooding, Uhura, uh, Melissa Navia, Ortegas, and Anson Mount, Pike himself. Some of my favorite genre stuff we got to do was a lot more like classic comedy. Um, I I find that specifically for my character, uh, we we don't we haven't had an opportunity to do like a lot of just like funny stuff for the sake of having a giggle. Um, and I think that a, a lot of season two we get to see Uhura still in her place of like inquisitiveness and curiosity and sort of racking her brain on the experiences that she went through in season one but we also get to see her just like be a bit more comfortable and 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 let her uh very very short hair down a little bit um uh so yeah that's something uh to look forward to yeah i'll say the genre play like makes it so that each episode really is like a movie and it really feels for us like we are shooting more than one show um and uh i think it also speaks to like why fans are saying that they they can watch episodes over and over again. I mean, that's always been Star Trek, right? Like you can you know, watch episodes over and over again and we find something new in them each time. But specifically with what we're doing, like we, we like to play with, you know, with the humor and with the fear and with the adventure and with the, um, you know, things that are more cerebral um, and then also marrying the two. Like we had a question earlier about, you know, which do you think season two is more of? Is it more mental um, obstacles or, or physical uh, kind of discomfort. And I'm like, what Star Trek does so well is that it, it marries the two as it, as we do in life, right? Like you can't be having like a bit of a, you know, emotional issue. And then suddenly like the world around you can stop. Like you have to still go to work. You have to figure stuff out. And so I think we do a really good job of, um, in season two coming up of, of being able to see characters going through, um, their own difficulties internally. Um, and then at the same time having to, having to complete the the mission that that is laid out before them for this particular episode. You know, we had a couple of episodes in the first season that they weren't too sure about. And both of those episodes are ones that popped for us. And so they kind of have, they gave our, our showrunners a lot more freedom to play with, um, with genre, which is, you know, we don't just, Akiva's mantra continues to be Star Trek can be a lot of things. So we're not just playing with the message that it can be told, but within the episodic structure, we can play with how we get there. And just genre has been a fun way of us talking with the writers about what we haven't done that we would like to do that makes everybody excited to be there. Right. And which I think is often an undervalued currency in, in filmmaking is, is the excitement level especially in television. I like the idea of her having a little fun. <laughs> I feel yeah. like she hasn't been able, she has a sad backstory. She and Laon can compete for saddest backstories. Um, <laughs> and she's mostly been doing 
you know, she had the whole thing with Hammer and lots of drama. So it's nice that she gets to, as she said, let her very short hair down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a stretch to do comedy. And I look forward to seeing how they, I mean, because the show's done comedy already. But it sounds like there's going to be even more of that in in this season. Yeah. So when they released that clip, that was actually from London Comic Con. And there was a panel. It was a virtual panel using this cool hologram. You know, so the actors were actually in America and they beamed themselves into London. And during that, when they, they talked about the big swings and all the genres, Rebecca said something interesting. She said it might not completely be embraced by all fans. So all of the different genres they do in season two, she kind of put a little caveat on there that maybe they stretch things too far. You know, she loves it, but she's kind of wondering how fans are going to react to some of it. What do you think she's talking about? I think she's talking about the musical episode. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Which nobody's allowed to confirm or deny. And so we cannot confirm or deny it, but I, you know, both of us think there's a 90% chance plus there's a musical episode. It's probably episode nine because of the way they've talked in the past about rehearsing for episode nine, going in on weekends and how, yeah. what a big deal it was. And so. And, and someone in your junket asked Celia um, if there was going to be a musical episode. And she said, I can't answer your bonus. It was a bonus question. She said, I can't answer your bonus question, which to me is, yes, there is. Because if it was no, she'd be like, sorry, there isn't one. So I think there is. I, for one, am in favor of a musical episode. But I know there are a lot of people who would not be. I don't know. I'd like to say I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm I'm not. I just. Okay, you can have the Gorn and I'll take the musical episode. <laughs> I, You know, I. they better have a damn good reason to be singing is all I've got to say. <laughs> And 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 it better not be the whole episode. Um, <laughs> I'm like, it had better be the whole episode. And I don't care why. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, Melissa at, at Comic-Con got into it a little more too and talked about how they play with um, timelines and realities as well as exploring planets and aliens. So it sounds like the writers are just having a lot of fun really experimenting like i think someone else said it feels more like maybe it was melissa saying it's almost like different shows that was evident in season one and everything we you know that we know about season two is they're just going for it even more and uh really trying to make each episode feel different which is the whole point of this structure really in a sense you want the show to be sampleable you know, the, the, right. the, the ultimate great thing about Next Generation, I mean, there's many great things. And the original series, you know, all is that you could just watch any given episode for what it is and you don't really need to watch any other episodes. Right. And I mean, you might get more out of it, obviously, if you're yeah. more familiar with it. But there is so much fun to be had in just a one-off episode. With all those shows, you're like, oh, I just feel like watching one and you can pick one at random. So I think that's the idea with this as well. And then there's all this buildup to the other wackadoo episode we know about, which is the crossover with Lower Decks. Directed by... The great Jonathan Frakes. Indeed. We didn't get a lot of discussion during the junket about... I was kind of surprised how there weren't a lot of questions about it. And one of my questions was about it. I asked Ethan a question and someone else asked Rebecca about it. 
So uh, let's hear what Rebecca and Ethan have to say about the Lower Decks crossover. Ridiculously fun. Just so yeah. fun. I don't think I've ever seen guest stars come with such ownership of the material before. I mean, and they both have such great backgrounds in improv and they never did the same thing twice. I mean, they just, they did something different. They took it off the page and played with it in every single take. It was so fun. And having Jonathan Frakes there was very important to sort of massage the two worlds so that it was cohesive. So that, you know, they come from this animated show and now they're on this, you know, this on the Enterprise, which is a very, very different tone. Um, it was, uh, he was it was really important that he was there to to meld to meld those tones i don't I don't think anybody else could have directed the episode no it was so much fun it was just a blast i met jack a few years ago at a convention and we had such a nice connection right off the bat and so i remember thinking at that time i'd love to work with this guy he's also from la we just share a lot of similar um context and um it was so much fun working with him and Jonathan Frakes, who directed the episode, coined us Spoimler, which is a hybrid of our names, Spock and Boimler. And, um, that just like made me so happy for, to have this, this joke with Jonathan Frakes, uh, who I just revere. And, um, yeah, I didn't do much improvising because. I pretty much stay on my uh, on rails as Spock. It's quite difficult to improvise when he's speaking um, about you know some matters of science. Uh, but Jack, I think it had a little more leeway with that, and, and he did improvise, which was really fun. I think they were very smart to have Jonathan Frakes be the director of this. <laughs> I think it would have been crazily challenging to try to have somebody else. And as you know, we've seen he's got his own good comedy chops. So he's, yeah, he's the perfect one for this as, as, as a side note, uh, by the way, I asked the same question to both Ethan and Paul Wesley, cause they were paired up together. And Paul Wesley said, I don't really have anything to say about that episode. Cause I wasn't there. So we now know that Kirk isn't in the crossover episode, which is <laughs> okay. That, that would complicate things. So I'm glad they didn't do that right. as well. Could you imagine if Boimler met Kirk and Spock? He would just lose his mind. Yeah, his head would explode. Much. It's yeah. too much. He can't do it. I can't wait until episode seven. It's such a long wait to have to wait until episode seven. I know. Seven. But it's good because they're smart to have it in the back half of the season. Something to look forward to. We still don't kind of know what it's all about, really. It certainly sounds like fun. Yes. We have enough to know that we definitely want to watch it. And I say this as a, as a frequent skeptic, but I'm very excited about it. It is interesting that they were doing little bits of improv on the set. So I wonder what, if any of that actually ended up in the final version. Right. And how much it may have thrown other people off because there's probably not a whole lot of improvising generally on Strange yeah. New Worlds. And like Ethan Pike, yeah, he's he's got tech science dialogue. He can't improv there. I just they've come a long way since they had to, you know, phone the writer's office in some other location and ask permission to say, yeah, instead of yes. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting, because they have a writer on set for that episode. Did they, was Mike there or someone from his team there as well? Wonder. I'm going to guess. Yes. It seems logical that that's what you would do. I mean, if you were Mike, you'd want to be there just to be there. Yep. 
All right. So they all also had a lot to say about their character arcs for the season and what they have planned. So we're going to go through those one at a time. Uh, Let's start with Rebecca. I I mean, just having worked on episode two and seeing how Una finally frees herself of um, you know, having lived inauthentically for so many years, I think freeing herself from that and moving forward and letting her crew and her everyone know who she really is uh, feels like it's a great metamorphosis for, for the character. It's it's going to be fun moving on from that. So that's where we got that her courtroom thing is episode two. It sounds like she's a different person after that because she's no longer hiding who she is. So. I would say from season one, you know, we've said this before, that she was the least utilized of the cast, and, and we'd like to see more of her and have her have more of an arc. So this is encouraging. Yeah, and I also would say um, that this could, and again, I'm so, I can be so fussy about canon sometimes, but I think this ties in really nicely with the cage because that character was so reserved. Right. And so she was really holding everything in because she was afraid of her secret coming out. So that's why she had to be sort of cold and shut off. So that all ties together kind of nicely. So by episode nine, she's ready to literally sing. (laughs) Well, we've seen her sing, but yes. (laughs) Well, if if our prediction is true and Spock outs her as a singer um, in the courtroom thing, then there's (laughs) nothing to hide, right? Yeah, It's all out there, baby. (laughs) <laughs> Let's uh, play, uh, this is Anson asking a question of mine about how Pike's arc is different now that he's kind of gone through this whole vision of the future thing and meeting his future self. Yeah, so that that, was, that question was really what, that was the question. You articulated it very well. Uh, that we had to deal with in episode 101, right? Uh, we had to, we had to, deal with that uh not to get past it but to get pike back on mission and through the existential crisis for the most part you don't want to entirely forget it because then you're you're leaving behind a very important aspect of the character which i think makes him brave in a different way than we've seen every other captain so but we want you want to get kind of the navel gazing out of the way uh so we we did that and then it's always been an, an aspect of the character that his challenge continues to be, and I want it to continue to be for a while, reminding himself that the journey is the destination, right? And not the other way around. And, and I think that the, the introduction of the relationship with Captain Battelle has been a very important part of that. I am intrigued by this talk of his relationship because i've been to every time you call captain battelle his girlfriend i say oh no i think they're just friends with benefits but it seems like that might actually be turning into something and it seems like she's a more significant character this season yeah um she's in the courtroom episode we saw that she's in the trailer a few times uh, including kissing there's kissing lots of kissing so she's a recurring character now. I mean, I think we saw her a couple times in season one, but it sounds like we're going to see, you know, more of her in season two. Um, and this relationship is maybe getting get serious. I'd sort of rather see Pike dabbling, having flings. He did have, uh, he you had know, one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I liked. I thought it was fun. I want more. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. But also, I'm you know I I agree with him that it's good that Pike's done mostly with the naval casing. He's footloose and fancy free, but ready to settle down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as long as I did like the sort of gravitas that that gave him, I find sometimes cheerful Pike is too cheerful for me. It's a beautiful quality of Anson Mounts, like I, you know, but I feel like for Captain Pike, there are times that I want him to be a little more um, intense. I liked his intensity when he was brooding. Did he tell Captain Battelle that he has a ticking clock on him? You'd want to tell your girlfriend that, I think. More than you just tell your friend with benefits. Yeah. (laughs) When you move past the booty call range, it's time to tell. (laughs) It's time to talk about the beeping chair. (laughs) Maybe just wheel it out and show it to her and then put it back. Are you implying that he, he, he got himself one already? <laughs> He's practicing. <laughs> That's morbid. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> All right. On to Dr. Mabenga. So Babs Alusamokin, um talked about it yeah, because season one, it was all about the daughter thing, which I'm kind of glad that's over because I just I don't know. I never liked that storyline. No, but I but I'm glad he has something to say about the effect. So he talked about how things have changed for him into season two. I I believe he's still finding his way initially, you know, he's decided he's going to, you know, soldier on, shall we say, and try to find the beauty of his daughter and the rest of humanity. Um, But it's a struggle, of course. It is not, it is not an event that can simply be washed away with time. Um, But he, he goes forward, you know, he goes forward and to see what the future will bring. Yeah, that is, that was such a weird storyline <laughs> with his daughter. The whole thing was weird. What he was doing with her was weird. The way he was saving her was weird. The way she left and then grew up in three seconds was weird. So I'm, I'm happy to see it pass, but I assume there's going to be some long-term effects. I think season two is going to be a lot more about, you know, we've seen him fighting, um, which you know, he's a jujitsu champion. So uh, that's kind of cool that he's getting to do that. And, uh, you know, d- during the junket, he also talked about how there's a lot more with him and Nurse Chapel, and we're going to learn more about their backstory. And so I think that relationship, and we've seen that in the trailers too, that, that they, their special connection is going to, deepen i think in this season so i think it's more about that stuff and and that's good i hope we get some more of him and pike too because i liked the two of them obviously have some history together they're yeah. old friends now speaking of nurse chapel kind of the elephant in the room is the whole thing with her and spock they do kiss in the trailer so someone asked her about that relationship uh yeah it just gets really it's just gonna get really complicated let's just say that i have to keep it vague but i can tell you that much it it just it just complications intensify let's say that (laughs) i mean i am somewhat intrigued by these two i i i like the idea of her being in love with him and him not knowing more than i like the idea of them as a couple but i'm i am fairly open-minded about it i do worry about 
the season being a little too focused on romances, kissing, kissing yeah. and romances. Agreed. And if they're, you know, if these relationships are B stories as opposed to A stories or even C stories, I'm kind of okay with it. If really the thrust of the episode is what's up with Chapel and Spock, it's just, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I will say like in season one, when they had things happen between the two of them, they were always part of another story that was going on. They were part of the main story. So as long as they stick to that, it'll be okay. I mean, it is 100% breaking the canon of the original series, but you need a place to go with these characters. So we'll see. Yeah, this is something they can't spool back, I think. And this is where they're just going to, we've always said that this is a very interesting character, Chapel. Jess is a very good actress. It's just that this isn't Nurse Chapel as we know her in the original series. And we're just going to have to live with that. But it's it's clearly, it's just not the same character. No, there's no way she could go from where she is now to the Nurse Chapel that we saw in the original series. I think Uhura's still in the zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pike, obviously. Um, even Babenga, because we know so little about him, but not, not Nurse yeah, Chapel. I would agree. Kirk is still, you know, an open book. And in fact, let's talk about Kirk and Spock and how they relate to canon. They paired up uh, Paul Wesley and Ethan Peck, and they talked about this issue of how they interact with Star Trek canon, both of them. Oh, gosh, from a performance perspective, it's so difficult to keep all that in mind because we are so far from uh, the... Uh, beginning of the original series. Um, and I would really task the writers with that job. You know, I think that we will see uh, Spock at least go through many different types of exploration of himself and they may appear more human at times or more Vulcan at times or who knows how else. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't think about it too much. Gosh, um, I mean, I, 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 I certainly think about it. Um, but I think what's, I think it would, I think it would be a mistake to sort of automatically be that version of, of, of the Kirk that, that is part of the canon and, and that we know. I think he's still sort of trying to figure himself out. And he's, um, I think part of the fun of playing this character pre the Kirk that we all know is to slowly evolve and to slowly develop the mannerisms or characteristics or, you know, um, the cadence, you know, I think that we can sort of slowly get there. And I think if we get there from day one, it's, it's, it's a little bit less interesting to watch. Um, so I wanted to keep it sort of a little bit unique and, and different. Um, but, but of course I think about it. I, 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 in many ways, I think Kirk is still a boy, um, at least in the version that I sort of am playing. I, I've, I think he hasn't quite um, – I'm not sure he understands how to be a captain yet, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I think he's still a lieutenant, and I think he doesn't – he's not ready to be a captain yet. Um, and I and I really think we will slow I, – I would like to slowly begin to portray him as someone with a deep confidence and an unwavering sort of sense of who he is, but I don't think he's quite there yet. And I, and I think that's sort of what makes it sort of special to watch. Oh, well, I'm glad that Ethan isn't tormenting himself as much as he used to. 
<laughs> which is what it sounds like, that he's getting more comfortable with the fact that this is going to be, that this is a different Spock and he's exploring who he is and he's not trying to match up to what we saw in the original series. But I do think he has a lot of the the mannerisms, which is what Paul says about him. Ethan, uh, you know, during the other panel did say that it's a more human Spock, that the writers are writing him more human. That, but that also makes sense within the timeline, I think. I think we're going to I think we've heard before that in season two, Spock is going to be exploring his human side, uh, apparently including some kissing. <laughs> but if we we I think it still leaves room for him to head back in a more Vulcan direction eventually, if not in this season. Certainly. And maybe there's a reason for that. Right. It can still all fit and it would all make sense. Kirk is trickier. Uh, but I like what Paul is saying about Kirk. This is a younger Kirk. He's not ready to be captain. So, you know, we're seeing a different Kirk that we've never seen before, which gives him some leeway. I think part of the issue with the season one finale was he was playing Captain Kirk, although an alternate history Captain Kirk, and it was a little too, it didn't fit what we thought of. But, it, you know, once you're playing this younger Lieutenant Kirk, maybe you've got a little more room to, a little more wiggle room, as it were. Maybe. I'm still super skeptical of this Kirk business. But he didn't say anything that scared me. Yeah. And when you look at the trailers and everything, you know, one thing to note is the time travel episode with him and La'an, he is wearing captain stripes and a different badge. In the another scene, we see him as the Lieutenant Kirk with talking to Uhura with Lieutenant Stripes. So... There's some weirdness going on with Kirk in season two. We're probably going to see a couple different types of Kirk as well. So it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sit. <laughs> um, and then there's some other stuff from Comic-Con um, where Sally was talking about the impact of Hammer and how that the impact of his death will be felt in season two. And that we're going to learn more about their relationship, even though he's gone. So I found that intriguing. They said that they were going to bring back Bruce Horak in a different role, but could it be, you know, maybe we're going to see flashbacks or dream sequences or something like that. That would make sense. I would love to see some flashbacks because I loved that character, but I'm also happy for him to come back um, as, as somebody else. It's a good Star Trek tradition. There's no reason why they can't do both. Yep. Agreed. Well, Ethan Peck was the, was talking about Carol Kane which, you know, she's new in season two. And he said that he really loved getting to work with her and become friends with her. So I am very interested because I want to, I always want to know who people are doing scenes with. So now we know that he has enough scenes with her that they spent some decent time together. She's a recurring character, so she's not going to be in every episode. So that's good to know. And we did, we did see her with Celia, with Uhura in the trailer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that she has scenes with Uhura and Spock, at least. <laughs> we'll take what we can get informationally. Um, something else Ethan Peck said that was fun was that he's most excited for fans to see episode five. No further information was given. The, I mean, they are using the same structure they did in season one, the, the next gen structure where every episode's about somebody or, or primarily. So it sounds like that's going to be a big Spock episode, episode five. We really don't know anything else about it. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one with some kissing. Yeah, I was going to guess the kissing. 
There was a, a, a fun thing with Melissa Navia talking about Jonathan Frakes. Doesn't really talk about the episode at all, but you know, she says it's just fun to just be there on the bridge hearing his voice and all that kind of stuff. But she she said that she's heard from people that say that Ortegas is the Riker of the show. And she told him that and he agrees with her. I think is an interesting take. What do you think? Do you think she's the Riker of the show? I do, because I think that she's the one, if someone was organizing a poker game, she'd be the one to organize a poker game. Yeah, if if you consider Riker the the fun guy on the ship, then she, yeah, that kind of fits with her. Yes. You know, beyond his position on the ship as first officer. Yeah, I'm of thinking stuff. of his personality. And he was always like, once he settled in, which took a little while, he was yeah. a little looser and he was the fun guy and he was... You know, always looking for something interesting to do. She needs so. to take up an instrument, I think. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. Doesn't what, have to be the trombone. What instrument would you have her play? It's, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking um, see, like like when you look at her, you immediately think of drummer, right? That's what that's I was going to say. I think drums. <laughs> but that's just such a loud thing to do. <laughs> it takes up so much room as well. So um I would say a uh, trumpet would be fine also. It's a, it's a little too on the nose with Riker. So I think you, you got to move away from all, all snow horns, yeah, all horns and woodwinds oh. and go, you know, go with something different. Well, so um, we're back to the drums. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, that's it for the panel and for the junket. I think the only other thing to say about uh, season two is that uh, Lord, you know, that they have sent out screeners for the season we're going to have an early review of the first six episodes on the site on the monday before the the season drops but Lori and i have watched episode one i'm gonna try to only watch episode one i'm gonna try very hard with picard i couldn't resist and i jumped ahead and it's been very tempting but i'm gonna try to go one at a time for the uh purity of my reviews but i will say this about the first episode i thought it was a a great fun way to kick off the season um almost everybody everybody had something to do some more than others um there was a lot going on and i would say i enjoyed it up until i enjoyed it up until the very last scene <laughs> i can't remember what that was um well, I, you know i just I, yeah, I very much enjoyed it. The tone was right. Um, yeah. There was a lot of action. It was just a good way to start the season. There's some very classic elements to it. So uh, I think people are going to like it. And I think it makes sense that they saved the courtroom episode to not be the first one because they wanted to start with some adventure, doing something a little more exciting. Yeah. So I guess, you know, minor spoiler, there isn't going to be a lot of number one in episode one. But then again, that's not uncommon for the show. Yeah. In general. But she's there. Uh, I think, is that it for our season two preview? Well, let's tell people one more thing about that first episode, just so they know we do get Carol Kane. So she's yeah. right in there introduced in that first episode and we'll get to know uh, something about her. It starts her off. 
I will say it took it took me a while to adjust to her, not because of anything they did in the writing. But, you know, some people have a certain level of fame to me that when I see them in something, it takes me a few, you know, when I see, let's just for the sake of it, like Robert De Niro or Meryl Streep, like it takes me a few minutes into whatever I'm watching with them to get past their famous face. And Carol Kane is one of those people I've known who she was since I was, you know, 10 years old. And so it just, it took me a while to figure out like, who is this person? What is this accent? What is going on? <laughs> I think fans are going to like her. I, I, it's, it's a creative take. It's, you know, she's not, she's more than just the engineer on the show. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which I, I'm glad they didn't just, you know, she's just the replacement for Hammer. You know, there's some, there's more of it, more to more going on. I think she's going to be a very fun character. I just, I look forward to watching it again before we talk about it so that I can sort of get past all that initial stuff that I had at the beginning. <laughs> Let's move on to our bits of the week. All right. Why don't you start? Mine is just something very simple. There was an article in the local news in Sacramento about how there's two streets in, in Sacramento County Klingon Court and Romulan Court, and they intersect. Um, <laughs> Fights is, break out there daily, and um, they you know, they don't know why. Is that's the funny thing? Um, <laughs> There's a city planner who's a nerd. <laughs> well, the 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 article does explain how it was a development built in the early '70s, and the developers get to pick the street names and submit them to the city, and so and so. Someone in the early 70s who was a land developer was also a Trekkie. And he just decided, you know, who's going to throw some Star Trek or, names in Or them. she. Or she. I'm sorry. You absolutely. I mean, I'm going to guess it was a he just because it was the 70s and women still weren't allowed to do anything. But <laughs> but it could have been a she. But I love it. I think that's great. Yes. I wonder if you have to pay a premium to live at the corner of Klingon Court and Romulan Court. Worth every penny. What do you got? I have um, a podcast I'd never heard of called Eyewitness History, which I think after reading the description, you would like very much. Um, but the idea is just people who are actually there. The interviewer talks to people who are there at certain events. And there's a full episode with Doug Drexler, who started, you know, his Star Trek history well, goes so far back, but he worked on, you know, the shows in the 90s. He worked on Star Trek Picard. He worked in multiple departments. He did makeup and visual effects and illustration and all these different things. And he's also had a tremendous career in the movies. And he's worked with the biggest A-list stars that there are. So the whole interview is fantastic. He's such an enthusiastic person. So it's very contagious when you're listening to him. You get very excited listening to his stories. One of my favorites has nothing to do with Star Trek, which is that, he, you know, he won an Oscar for Dick Tracy. He worked on the makeup for Dick Tracy. But when he went to meet Warren Beatty, Warren was like, come to my house and meet me there. And he gets there and they're waiting. And it's like half an hour. And then Warren Beatty comes down in a towel wet from the shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's a business meeting with Warren Beatty back in the day. Um <laughs> But he has a million other fantastic stories I won't spoil for you and so much positive stuff to say about Star Trek and about working on Picard and how that sort of happened. So uh, definitely go listen to it. Well, I appreciate the 
recommendation. I'm always looking for a new podcast, and even though my list is too long already, but uh, I'll put it on there. Yeah, it's not really a Hollywood podcast, although they have they'll have things like. Someone who was, I can't remember, but I think like producing the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album or something. You know, people who were there at pivotal moments in history and culture. So that's it for All Access Star Trek and our Strange New World Season 2 preview episode. We'll be fully reviewing Episode 1 in two weeks. Between now and then, we have a special guest interview lined up for next week. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. So we'll see you next week. Bye.